This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Kathy Durr, who is the co-founder of A Kid Again, which essentially provides life-changing experiences and adventures for children and their families that have life-threatening illnesses. So, Kathy, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. It's exciting to be here. Before we dive into the mm-hmm. conversation, I thought I'd ask you to share, how did you get started? in this what was the starting point for you for me um we have uh five children and our oldest son christopher had an inoperable brain tumor and uh during the time that he was uh fighting the disease he uh, we were surrounded by so much love and support from, from my huge family and and our friends and um he's the oldest of five. So the other children always had something to look forward to. Um, And realizing that most families don't have the kind of love and support that we had, and they all should have that. Um, So in 1995, Christopher passed away, unfortunately, but in 1995, we started a kid again, um, started offering families in Columbus, Ohio, an opportunity to set aside all the things that they were going through, the worries, the struggles, the financial burdens and everything. Come have some quality time together um, as a family, help mend the bond, uh, strengthen the bonds within the family, meet other families going through the same thing. And we launched a kid again, um, which was is really exciting and now we are we have families that we're serving in every 50 states and all the 50 states and um yeah it's going well what kind of things were out there before you started this was there an abundance of it did you really feel a gap because there wasn't really anything going on what was the state of things like before you started so there were there were, and still to this point, no organizations like a kid again. Um, some organizations might do little things or whatever, but there's nothing like a kid again. Um, of course, there's wish granting groups. Every child that qualifies for a wish, the family should get that wish. It is an incredible experience. But the problem with it is, is once it's over, it's over. And families need something continual to look forward to. And again, there was nothing at the time and there still is nothing really that serves families to the level that we do. What would go down as the more, I suppose, exciting or outrageous, for want of a better word, things that you've you've done? Like what's been the biggest wish that you've been able to grant? So um, our events, we call adventures. The ultimate goal is to have in, a, in an existing chapter to have a goal, have an adventure once a month. So the families always have something to look forward to. We serve families from birth to age 20. So that can be kind of challenging sometimes because all teenagers, no matter if they have a life-threatening condition or are perfectly healthy, don't want to spend time with their little kid brother or sister that's only five years old a lot of times. So it can get challenging, but we do a wide variety of things so that all those ages are included. Cedar Fair Parks, which owns 
12, 16 parks, something like that across the United States is a huge partner of ours. And everybody, of course, loves a theme park. So those are some, um, that it's just an incredible partnership that they have with us. So we do Kings Island, Cedar Point, all, all the, the parks. Um, we do a lot of sporting events because they are, again, something that all ages can enjoy, all abilities can enjoy. We have to take into consideration as well, you know, how many kids are going to be in wheelchairs, what kind of um, disabilities do the kids have? You know, are, a lot of the kids have autism. Um, so we have to take all those abilities into account when we, when we plan an adventure. Um, when we do our adventures, they, we take care of the entire day. For example, again, at the Cedar Fair Parks, parking is going to be taken care of. Entrance is going to be taken care of. We'd like to have a meal, gather everybody together for a meal, because that's the time when the families bond the most with each other. They can actually sit down and, and start talking to one another and realize that, oh, you know, there is somebody else going through the same thing we are and, and they support one another. And then we also like to give them some kind of a, a memento to take home so the kids can remember it and, you know, days after the adventure and just continue to, to have the fun. What kinds of things do you get asked to do? Do you get any requests? Do you get anything that I guess would surprise you? You know, <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you what one of my biggest surprises was. And we do a holiday party every year. And this was, oh, this was probably almost 15 years ago now, but we had a family that went on a mission trip. They have eight kids and they went on a mission trip um, overseas. And while they were there, they had a pet cow. So when they came home, they wanted a cow. And that's what <laughs> they asked for for Christmas. And we were able to get them a cow. And um, not only a cow, but the, the farmer who gave it to us, it was a pregnant cow. So they would end up with two cows. Oh, wow. <laughs> It was, yeah, obviously did not put a bow around its neck or anything like that. No. That was always, that, that always comes to mind when asked that question. But the majority of our families truly appreciate everything we do. We, um, we do survey the families after adventures and at the end of the year. And our rating from the families are like, 95%. It's, they just really, really appreciate everything that they, they get. Um, it's, it's a very heartwarming uh, feeling to, to meet the families and to be able to spend some time with them and to be able to, to help them in this way. It must be fulfilling for yourself to be able to do it regularly. And I say that because lots of people do things on one-offs, like you say. Like they they fund the adventures, experiences, and then that's kind of it, really. They tend to go back to what their life was really like. Where you seem to be able to increase the standard of living almost for for these people mentally. They've got something to look forward to. It could be different every month. And if I'm right, you take care of the whole thing. Like it's no cost to these, these families. 
correct. There is absolutely no cost to the families. And we can do as much as we do because of the kindness of volunteers. We would not exist if it weren't for volunteers in all of our chapters and here at our national office. Um, We just highly depend upon them. And they are just such wonderful, caring people that uh, we are able to do so much for our families. The majority of our families, as you can imagine, with all the medical bills and everything coming in, the majority of our families live below the poverty line. So not only do they not have the time or the energy to plan an event, some type of a family outing, um, they don't have the money to do it. And so we are able to take that burden off of their plate. We include siblings in everything that we do because we recognize the sacrifices that they're making when a child in the family is diagnosed with a life-threatening condition. Um, If if you go to an adventure, you wouldn't be able to tell the siblings from um, the diagnosed child a lot of times because they are all treated the same. What actually goes into organizing these kinds of experiences I imagine there's some things that happen all the time no matter what the experience is but what actually goes into it is there a lot of communication back and forth is there a lot of moving parts I suppose you could say what goes into actually hosting one of these things especially regularly like you're not doing it as a one-off this is all the time so try to paint a picture for people sure there are a lot of different pieces that go into it um you know, we didn't haven't even talked about the funding piece of it. So we make, you know, go out and try to get a lot of partners to help fund um, the adventures for the family. So there's that whole piece of it. Then you, you again, you have to consider all the different abilities that the all the children have, and so that you are able to give a child who is totally immobile the same wonderful experience that you are a kid that's running around. Um, Communication with the families. Uh, Families will receive the invitation. We realize that a lot of families, you know, things change. Kids end up in the hospital and everything and life gets busy. So we will send out several communications about an adventure coming up. They can pick and choose the ones that they want to take part in. Um, They don't have to do any of them or they can come to all of them. It's totally up to them. So they're... And, and again, just, you know, dietary restrictions and, and everything. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of moving parts when planning an adventure. What kinds of things are on the horizon for you? Do you have any plans to go bigger? Like you do holiday events, you take people regularly to sporting events and things like that. Like, do you have any plans to go bigger? Like have you got like a, a vision for right we need to take them to this one and it's never been done before and that kind of thing yeah so each chapter is different as to what is available for them in, in their areas so you know we also you know a, a chapter might do a museum uh, a children's museum um an arcade a a water park the zoos have been wonderful um Actually, a lot of, of the, the Major League Baseball teams have been incredible to us. So it, it varies by chapter. Right now, we have um, 14, tw- I'm sorry, 12 chapters across the United States that we either currently are up and running or we are setting up. So, and, that, uh, and what are the goal is to, is to have 
chapters everywhere in every state. While we are doing that, we are also serving families in other states where we don't currently have a chapter. And we're doing that with our Adventure in a Box. And an Adventure in a Box is mailed quarterly directly to the families. It's a different themed each quarter. So, um, you know, again, the families can elect to participate or not. And it is just a way to touch their lives and let them know somebody cares. And then again, the ultimate goal is to have a chapter in every state. Um, we are serving families in, in all the states. So that's really exciting. The push was on, started just a few years ago to take it nationally. And uh, it's been quite successful. Have you had anyone come up to you with an idea? Like you get suggestions, you get someone coming and say, oh, be really cool if we could if we could do this like do you do you have that kind of relationship with whether it be donors or fundraisers or even some of the families as well oh sure yes we love to to take ideas from anybody um that's how a lot of the adventures get started even um you know a donor will step forward or a partner and say hey you know why don't we why don't we do this why don't we take them here? And we're willing to fund it and off we go with it. Um, again, taking into consideration all the different abilities and if it would work or not. Um, but yes, that's, and, and again, we ask, we, we talk to the families a lot to make sure that we are meeting their needs and, and we are able to give them something that is a, a quality adventure for them and something that is is going to help them so a family would like to get involved and they want to come to one of your adventures what happens after they get sent something is there a form do they have to apply to to join the the organization walk us through the the steps from let's say public to adventure so yes we do have have an application. It is on our website at akidagain.org. And um, it's not too complicated. Fill out the application. Uh, we have a whole list of pre-qualified conditions. So if they're one of those conditions, they are automatically in. We also have a medical committee. So if there's any questions about if they if it qualifies or not, we put it before them. And then again, if we have additional questions, we will reach out to the family. Once they enroll, the family is in until that child turns 20 years of age. So even um, especially like the cancer kids, if they're out of treatment, they stay in the program they, um, uh, until that child turns 20. And then they will start immediately receiving invitations to the next adventure in their area. What kind of things would you do to be able to fundraise something like that? Because if it's regular, it's not necessarily research-based at the moment. Anyway, from our conversation so far, how do you fundraise something like that? Do you have different avenues? Is it like, you know, two pounds a month sponsor a family kind of thing? What kind of fundraising do you guys do? So, yes, all of it. <laughs> we um, apply <laughs> for grants. We do fundraising events. Um, on the national level, as well as each chapter. And then we just go out and, uh, and ask uh, for partners and, and ask for donations, whatever we can get. Some 
uh, give actual, you know, dollars as well as in-kind gifts. Um, it only costs $35 at the average uh, to send a child on adventures for a year. So it's not very expensive because of the amount of in-kind that we can get. And again, because we use so many volunteers and uh, we're just very smart with our dollars. So um, I think it's 91%, 91 cents off of every dollar is spent directly on the kids, and um, which is pretty incredible. That's a, a great amount. So yes, we are always looking for, for donors and, and help. And again, anybody that might want to make a donation, you can just go to our website and do it there. What kinds of things do you get up to on a day-to-day basis? I imagine you're not necessarily hands-on with absolutely everything, but I'd be curious to know what, what you actually get up to as the, the co-founder. Um, so, so, yeah, we, we are in need of everything. Um, you know, we send, a lot of the chapters will send kids uh, a little box of goodies when they go in the, into the hospital. So, you know, donations of even activity books and crayons and things like that are needed. Um, obviously a, a monetary donation is, is the biggest thing because our adventures can be expensive, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, setting the goals for the year and everything. We just had a meeting about that and it's exciting. It's an exciting time for us, especially for me having been around since the start of it to see the growth and see how many uh, families we are able to serve and the generosity of people are incredible. I tell everybody that I have such a great job because you go home at night and you listen to the news and you think, oh my gosh, we're all doomed. <laughs> this world is not <laughs> going to live to survive another year. But then I get to come to work and I talk to so many people, so many other organizations serving families that have a child with a life-threatening condition. And there are so many good people out there just this world's going to be okay. <laughs> Just don't listen to the news. <laughs> don't listen to the news. I can't say how much better <laughs> I feel having not watched the news for years. I think I decided many years ago that I just wasn't going to watch it. Um, and I think it takes a bit of experiencing, meaning if you stop, you feel better than when you watch it. So it's like you need to experience the the opposite um, it makes me wonder, actually, are charities and nonprofit organizations, are they doing okay, given the current situation, the climate, that sort of thing? Or do you think it's harder to actually operate and do the work that you're, you're trying to do? You know, well, COVID, unfortunately, and, and the lockdown took a lot of the organizations um, were not able to survive that, which is obviously too bad. We were able to do very well during the the COVID pandemic. We um, that's actually when we started our adventures in a box, and we started drive through adventures and had to get very creative. But we were able to survive that very well. Um, 
we've gone through, uh, of course, since we've been, you know, we've been around since 1995. So we've seen a few, a couple of recessions and, you know, we do have to tighten the, the, the purse strings a little bit, but we have been able to survive all that. And again, our mission is so important and, um, the, the kids, you know, letting them down would be horrible. So everybody puts on a, a, you know, an extra little push to, to get through some of the problems that we face because we know we we don't want to let those kids down. So we have been able to, um, we've been able not only to survive, but actually thrive through some of the different, um, challenges that we have faced because of the kids that we serve. I imagine you being very mission driven, given that you you work with children in a way that it's not really about you per se. It's more about the kids. Is that is that the thing that that keeps you going and keeps you motivated? That is exactly it. Whenever we are faced with a challenge or a problem or quest, even a question, it's like, what is best for the families? You answer that question. And our direction is set for us. And it has always worked. When you are doing the adventures and when you're putting everything together, is there anything that, let's say, you thought wasn't necessarily important to factor in to the adventures that you realized was important? So you might have to give a bit of context in terms of, you know, what the children's conditions were you didn't realize there was this aspect that you needed to focus on to be able to make it the best experience for them have you got a story where maybe it didn't quite go the way that you thought it would (laughs) absolutely unfortunately yes um you know one of the things is just even a simple easter egg hunt you know, you go and you hide the eggs in the grass and behind bushes and stuff. And um, we had some college kids do one for uh, one of our local chapters. And, you know, I heard from a couple moms afterwards, well, you need to put a few up high because the kids in the wheelchair can't bend over to pick them up in the grass. So we are constantly learning and we are constantly um you know, hopefully moving things forward to be more inclusive, um, you know, changing a changing area in a private area for adults that, you know, you always see changing tables in the restrooms and stuff for babies. But we have, you know, teenage kids that we are serving who need that, that um, available to them. So just thinking of something like that, um, a changing area, private changing area for them. Kids with sensory issues to provide a quiet place for them uh, to go, for example, at especially like the theme parks and where there's a lot of sensory overload to be able to provide a room for the parents to take them so ju- they can just calm down and be able then to participate again. All these things we have learned over the years as we have have grown and um just i'm i'm again i'm so excited for the future how many of these experiences are you actually creating give us a bit of a 
a picture of the scale of it because some people might not know maybe you do one or two a week for for the month and they're they're regular so you do like eight to ten every single month for for the kids that need them so um the ultimate goal is for each chapter to have 12 in-person adventures a year that's a full-fledged adventure where park every Thing is taken care of. In addition to that, we will get um, tickets to a play or additional tickets to a football game or, you know, different things like that. So those are offered to the families. Um, uh, we have, uh, those are going on in, um, let me, Indiana, Michigan, the Carolinas, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, the DMV area, upper Midwest, Texas, Kentucky. Um, and, and this year we're moving into California. So I, you know, I, I should have, I'm not prepared for that, that question, but, uh, the amount of adventures across the board for all advent, for all the chapters, as well as our adventures in a box is, um, is quite large. Our, our budget for this past year, I think, was six million dollars. So it's, um, you, you know, it's 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 busy. <laughs> our, our staff has grown a lot, <laughs> thankfully, over the, the last couple of years. But uh, yeah, again, we but we've just touched touched the surface. There are so many kids, so many families out there that we could be serving, and um, just can't wait till we can do that. How often would you say you uh, try to push the the envelope with the kinds of experiences that you create? Do you ever sit down and think, right, we need to expand this. Let's try and do something that will take more from us than maybe we're used to. Maybe it's something that's just outside of your comfort zone as as an organization. How how often would you say that you you push that? So we have a few standard adventures that we know the families are going to love. And we do that. We do continue to do those every year. Other than that, we are open to other ideas. Um, you, you know, there are as many ideas as there are people out there. So, um, you know, and one, we realize that one family who likes to go to ball games doesn't necessarily like to go to the zoo type of thing. So we are open to listening to everything. Again, we take into consideration the abilities of the families, the abilities of the kids, and, um, and you know, the proximity to where they li live and everything like that. So, um, yeah, we are open to, to all sorts of ideas. How long have you been in the organization, just so people and myself really have a bit of context, because I've got a question that I would like to ask, but... It will depend on how long you've been uh, organizing. So I, I helped start the organization back in 1995. For the first two years, I ran it out of my house, um, kicked the kids out of their toy room, made it into the first <laughs> office, taught them very young age how to answer a phone and stuff goodie bags and everything. So I've been, I helped start the organization back in 95. How do you teach a child to pick up the phone and pretend to be 
mature or, or like an adult because I imagine all right come on Timmy come on you use your grown-up voice come on you got someone that's that's phoning yeah. it was it was kind of a challenge sometimes but the majority <laughs> of the time it was a family calling in and they had kids anyway so it, it worked <laughs> I imagine you've got quite the uh, quite the list to draw on let's say they're like the 25 and they're all grown up and you say oh remember when you used to have to answer <laughs> yeah. the phone as a, a grown up when you were five <laughs> <laughs> so we I used to always uh, take some of them with me too when I would do uh, Christmas shopping or holiday shopping for the for the families and it was like oh I know my one son wants that so I'll get that too and they'll <laughs> I'd be able to get their <laughs> Christmas gifts while they were with me because they had no idea <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I was curious about and thank you for letting me know that you were there since the beginning is making me think when people are wanting to do things that are mission-based whether they be non-profits or otherwise it can be hard for them to rally the troops so to speak and and get other people sure. behind what it is that you do a lot of the time this can mean all the difference between a non-profit doing well being able to do the work that they're trying to do versus if we want to be so focused on paying our own bills and operation costs that we can't really dedicate any of it currently to that it can be frustrating but you start something and you realize there's so much that goes into it that eventually that can can keep people down and stop them from actually doing what it is that they want to do so how did you grow things in the initial stages? How did you get people to support you? And a lot of it could be donation-based at the moment when you're starting out. How do you get over that initial, like we need to get people to support us, to help us on this mission, but we don't know how? Right. I think two things that, that go into that. Again, putting the families first and what they need and how we can serve them best was the answer to any of the problems that we had. The other big thing is to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. <laughs> and um, a lot of times, and I did the same thing, of course, you need to rely heavily when you're starting on your friends and your family to help be the volunteers and, and everything. But you've got to be able to reach outside of them and start meeting other people outside of your circle and um, set up a board of directors who uh, are in, have the passion that you have and have reach beyond where your reach goes. And, and um, I think we were able to do all of that. And uh, it, it, it turned out to be successful. How do you convince for want of a better expression, I don't like using that word, but how do you convince someone that's never really heard of you, never really got involved to get involved and stay involved? Because you do regular experiences, chances are you need regular donations or at least enough to be able to sustain what it is that you're doing. How do you go from stranger to mm -hmm. supporter? Because it seems like there's a couple of different 
points that you want to try and get them to maybe you start with an irregular donation first maybe you get them to help out volunteer see the work that you're doing what kind of journey would you say that you take the public on really if they want to get involved sure um we we of course always tell our story um we include stories of our families the 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 families are just um, j- again, there's, they just warm your heart when you meet them. And so we will invite donors and partners to, to some of the adventures to meet the families themselves. Once they do that, we know we've got them hooked <laughs> for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, they just, you know, the donors that we have have a certain, just a, a huge heart. They just all are are very caring, like the volunteers. And um, we've been very blessed, very blessed. How would someone be able to get involved? Is there like an application thing? Can people reach out? More than happy to invite my audience to do that. So people wanted to find out more about you. Really enjoyed the, the chat, Kathy, as well. It's been great. How can people learn more about you and the work that you're doing? Sure. Again, our website is uh, org. We're also on social media. I would be more than happy to email anybody um, that has questions. My email is k-d-e-r-r at akidagain.org. And, uh, or they can call our, our phone, you know, or contact their local chapter um, whatever they want to do. There is an application on our website for volunteers. Uh, we talked about the one for the family, but the volunteers also uh, sign up through our website as well. And just before we, we finish off, Kathy, what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from your time at the organization? It can be from volunteers, it can be from staff, it can be from the families. What would be your, your biggest lesson? You know, I think my the biggest lesson is come, sort of something we, we touched on earlier, and, and that is that there are so many good, caring people out there that are so willing and anxious, excited to help. And um, I have just, you know, with the loss of Christopher, it was it was obviously devastating. But to be able to turn that around and meet so many good people and to be able to serve so many wonderful families, um, there is a higher power in charge. And I just, uh, I've been very blessed. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Kathy, thanks so much for joining me and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you very much. If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle so you set your membership up you get two months free access 
Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.